It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. It's home to me. <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lo Tolist, founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with It's the Interview Series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the series. You know what to do, like what you see, what you hear, hit that subscribe button. I, uh, I put out three new interviews every single week, new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at iTunes and Apple Podcasts, at Spotify and Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And that's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Judy Collins. I get to talk to the uh, the legendary singer-songwriter about uh, her uh, Grammy-nominated album, Spellbound, that came out just uh, last year, uh, and being an honoree at the upcoming She Rocks Awards, too. We're going to talk about her... Uh, how her recent songs were inspired by folks like Thomas Merton uh, and the importance of her time in Colorado and, and uh, Greenwich Village uh, and peace and more as evergreen topics, of course. Judy's also going to discuss why she's been performing her 1967 album Wildflowers in full and uh, even staring down Mitch McConnell at a recent Washington, D.C. event. And, and I'll bring up her, uh, her album's uh, Three, as it is, uh, what, 60 years old, and True Stories and Other Dreams, it actually turns 50 years old this year as well. And we get an update on her next album, All That's and More. It's Kyle Meredith with Judy Collins. Hi there. Uh, let me say, first off, I know there's a handful of things going on. You released a record just last year at Spellbounds. It is an absolutely wonderful record. Thank you. I put the headphones on. I lay down and I just get lost in the stories and the and the piano sound. I mean, everything about it. It's it's just just a beautiful record. And congratulations! I know it was um, Grammy nominated this year too. Yes, it was. That's got to be something, though. I mean, to I know it didn't win on the Grammy, but still to have it nominated, you know, for someone who's had so many albums, such a long career, does that still kind of bring the excitement when that stuff comes up? Well, it's important because it shows that they're listening. And that's what we need. And if they're listening, so are lots of other people. And also, actually getting nominated, we always say, is like winning. And it was very exciting. It's always exciting because you go up to, down to, around to, wherever you are when you want to get to the Grammys, which are always in Los Angeles, except once upon a time they were in New York. And that was fabulous. But they haven't been here since. I think it was probably 30 years ago. So it's great to go because you see so many friends. And I was able to be the presenter for eight different categories, including Brandy Carlisle and uh, my old friend, Bonnie Ray. So it was very exciting seeing friends, hanging out, 
uh, going to Clive Davis's pre Grammy party, which is always a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, so it's a wonderful thing. Well, you know, there's um, sort of a nice coincidence on this record, Spellbound, too, because uh, I, I'm here in a, in the Louisville, Kentucky, and you end up writing about uh, Thomas Merton. And in fact, oh. my office, uh, the station, the radio oh. station, is just a block away from his his the the point, the spot on the street where the Enlightenment happened. Oh my! How exciting! So it's a, for me, it's a very important song. Uh, I always tell the story that that you know I first read the Seven Story Mountain when I was in my twenties. And I was always intrigued. I'm not a Catholic, but I was always intrigued by Cat, by Merton because he associated himself with the meditators from the East, the Dalai Lama and Thich Nhat Hanh. And that's where he died in, in Thailand. And uh, he was at a big meditation event that was uh, not in, in uh, the, the capital itself, but somewhere out in the country. Anyway, the murder, the suspected murder of Thomas Merton kind of suits, fits into my conspiracy theory mind and also makes great sense because the church, as you know, had warned him many times about not writing about his anti-war beliefs and stop talking about Vietnam. And when he died or was murdered, which they now suspect is what actually happened. Uh, the church issued a papal bull saying, Merton is never going to be saint sainted. Merton wrote 70 books. He was a, a massive influence in the, in the anti-war and, you know, the, the, the spiritual areas uh, that the, certainly the Catholic church covers but it makes sense to me because he was in Thailand, which is where we were flying the bombers out using their runways to bomb Vietnam and uh, Laos and Cambodia. And, and, and Thailand was crawling with CIA. And uh, when the papal bull came out from the church after his death, they said he's never going to be going to be sainted because of his opposition to the war in Vietnam, which could, of course, made me best friends with Thomas Merton, even though I already had been. So I had to write this song, and uh, I love this song. Uh, it's it's intriguing to people. So it's a mystery, which is what I wanted to write. Well, I definitely love seeing it in there. I had my own sort of um, uh, moment like that in my 20s, and it wasn't with Merton, but it was one with one of his fellow Kentucky monks i guess uh -huh. there was another author named daniel quinn who wrote about a lot of the same stuff uh -huh. and um and just kind of finding that stuff of course around here you know we're really familiar with merton but of um of course with uh what is it called the monastery um i always forget the name yeah and it's early for me as well and <laughs> <laughs> it's not arriving but i know exactly what you're talking about yeah and we'll be right back, right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know 
deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's, there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now, and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the, the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you to get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Judy Collins. I've asked other, you know, songwriters that, you know, that, that came up in the 60s and, and the same thing. I just had Graham Nash on the other day. We were sort of talking about something similar. And, and it's that thing like, you know, for that to be such a life changing moments and era and, and those ideologies, you know, for you coming up. And here we are 60 years later dealing with that same stuff. I said, as a songwriter, you know, how does like does that frustration is that automatic that that's going to be in there? Like, you know trouble the trouble with peace i guess is what i'm getting at like it's just a song that has to be sung still over and over and over well there's always material i mean that's the way the way the planet goes you know we unfortunately we don't run out of grief and excitement exhalation murder uh as per last the last few weeks that we've been so focused on on somebody's trial uh i i I just think if you're if you read and if you digest what goes on in history, you realize that these things are never they're never solved. I mean, look at the the Chinese army of uh, of of uh, ceramic soldiers, thousands and thousands buried someplace so that he would in in heaven or wherever he went, he would have an army around. Him. It's still going on. I mean, we're we're always making our money off the the weapons that we sell to other countries i mean that's a it's a huge piece of our national uh, value which is made by murder so i can't i can't imagine that anybody would would be naive enough to think that it's over because it's never over it's not over it's not even over till the fat lady sings it's never over <laughs> it's the truth and you have to keep keep sharp 
Well, as you mentioned, the material is great, at least, that comes out of it. I say that it, with probably a, a big slice of gallows humor that goes along with it. But uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, so with that in mind, and, and looking even at, at Spellbound here, what are the type of characters that you find yourself writing about these days? Like, like I, I, I think about the guy in Grand Canyon, you know, and it... Uh. Every every song seems to just to have, and and some of them I assume are you, but some of them obviously aren't. Uh, the guy in Grand Canyon, there's water in that song, and unfortunately, there's much less water in Grand Canyon nowadays. That's not why I wrote, wrote the song. When I was growing up in Colorado, one of the things that I would have become when I was married to my ex-husband, my first my my starter husband, I always say. Uh, he and I were, we, we had, first of all, we ran a lodge in Rocky Mountain National Park for the summer before we settled down in uh, Boulder where he could get his degree. I had spent the whole first 19 years of my life making music, playing shows, singing on my father's radio show, playing with Mozart with a symphony orchestra, doing shows with my trio. I had a trio in junior high and grade school and high school, the Little Reds, they called us, because we did a version of Red Riding Hood. So so when we landed in, in uh, Boulder and my husband was in school, he said to me one day, you know, we don't have any money. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're right, we don't. He said, why don't you get, I was working at the University of Colorado filing papers. And, uh, you know, as terrible as a waiter, a waitress, a waiter, whatever one calls it nowadays. I spilled coffee down people's shirts and I dumped the, the scrambled eggs on somebody's head. You know, that's not, I was not destined to be in the in the food field. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, I was not headed to be. But uh, he said to me, why don't you get a job doing something you know how to do? Well, in those days, you didn't think of playing the guitar and singing um, Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger was the avenue to a career. I mean, who ever dreamed of that? But I went down to a place called Michael's Pub in Boulder, and I got an audition, and the guy hired me, Michael Bissessi. He was a little disappointed because he hated folk music, but the audience loved me, so he had, what could he do? He had to hire me for 100 bucks a week, five shows, five shows a week, three shows a night. I mean, this was... This was not for sissies. <laughs> this, this career is not for sissies, I'll tell you that. You revisit that, I mean, even in The uh, the Girl from Colorado. I could have been, because all of our friends at the University of Colorado were in the, many of our friends were in the Park Service. And my two of my best friends were Long Peaks Rangers, um, John Clark and uh, uh, Ernie, Ernie Kunzel. They're both gone now, but they they worked. Well, Ernie had a huge career in the in the park service all over the world, and he was part of rescue crews that went to help people out in various situations. And and they were they were both Longs Peak Rangers, so it could have very well been that uh, my friend Dick Barker, from whom I learned, uh, uh, he's only a lavender cowboy. Uh, the hairs on his chest, they were too. I learned all those old country songs from Dick Barker and his family ran float trips down the Snake River and I was on some of them. 
so I was very familiar with with uh, the Grand Canyon. There's a great book about the Grand Canyon, which some of you might want to reach out to find. It's called The Man Who Walked Through Time. And it's before they were river rafting. He was walking through the canyon in 1961. It's a brilliant book, brilliant, brilliant, wonderful book. So I've always had Grand Canyon on my mind and the guy who ran the float trips down the Snake River merged into the guy who ran the float trips down down uh, the Colorado. And I'm a Colorado girl, so I write about, as as you hear, heard in uh, Spellbound, the song called uh, When I Was a Girl in Colorado. And it seems to be hitting all the high marks at my concert, so people are enjoying it. Yeah, you know, if you can't go to the Grand Canyon, you, you could at least sing about it. <laughs> That's the thing about being a singer. You can do a lot of things in music that you pro probably couldn't handle in real life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. They make for wonderful stories and, and wonderful characters, uh, uh, characters in here. Um, and, and sometimes they keep us guessing. Uh, so alive, you know. By the way, so alive. Yes. When I fell in love with you, I was the last to know. Has got to be one of my favorite lyrics that I've heard in a lot. I mean, there's a lot that he says in that. Good. Can I ask directly who's that about, if anyone? Yeah, my sister called me after she heard the song and she said, who is that? And I said, well, of all the characters in the village at that point, it had to have been David Blue. He had a single bed. He always left by dawn. <laughs> he was a character. He was wonderful. It's uh, it's it's Fourth great. Turn. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll be right back, right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Judy Collins. Do you, do you find that there's a reason why you're revisiting these moments in your life? Oh, that's what we do when we grow, grow older. We visit them. One of my friends who was a painter named uh, Jules Zaliski. That was his name. Jules Zaliski, who was a very, very well-thought-of and well-viewed painter who lived in New York, used to say, if you live until you're 20... You have enough to have a lifetime full of creative work, whether it's poetry or songs or books or uh, whatever it is, because so many things happen before you're 20. And you have to revisit them to keep that spirit alive, because you're not going to do a lot of the things that you did when you were 20. Come on, let's face it. <laughs> but you have memory. You have memory. I was gonna say, I've got a son. He's 15 right now. And I'm, I'm seeing oh. that like... Like I'm aware of that time and how important it is, those coming of age years, you know, and, and seeing him kind of go through it right now. That's uh it's fun to watch oh, from the other side just as much. It's hell on wheels. Oh boy. Is <laughs> it hard to be a teenager? Oh my God. Well, give him give him my best. <laughs> Good luck with life. Tell him it'll all work out if he can just hold on. <laughs> right. Uh, I also want to bring up um, that you're going to be honored uh, on the She Rock Awards. That's coming up uh, next month. I'm very thrilled. This is quite an honor for me. Yeah. What What does it mean for you? I mean, this is specific. This is this is women in in music and in arts. Um, you know, just the the fact that they reached out. I mean, what does this award mean versus you know something like the Grammys or something like that? Well, it's a very kind of inner thing because it's all women talking about, singing about, working with, celebrating women. And we do have a unique position in this world of music because we're not men. 
That's an easy place to start. People ask me, and I think most of the women that are being honored on the She-Rock galas, I think most of us have determined that it doesn't make any difference that we're women. My father always said, you know, you can do anything you want because you're a woman. And I always, I didn't, I never had any issues with that. I was never, you see, I don't know that it's underpaid because who knows, really, uh, given the nature of the business and how things go up and down, how they swerve from side to side from year to year. Sometimes it's big time. Sometimes it's a big check. Sometimes it's small. It doesn't make any difference. You go forward. And if you have that gene, the alpha woman gene, you're going to do it, whatever it is. So I think that I share that with most of the women who are many of the women, maybe all of the women who are on honored by Shirok. I think there's something inter, intricit, uh, in, intr, integral, integral, maybe integral, in, in something rather. Another word I'll call you about later. <laughs> um, it's an intrinsic given that women who survive in this complicated sea have something that takes them through and above the complications that it might involve for being female rather than male. And I think it's grit and I think it's determination. I think it's being it's being yourself and strongly bent towards what you want to do. It wouldn't matter whether you were a painter or a dancer or an artist or a, a concert violinist. If you're female, you have to have that extra something. And I think many of these women, most of them must have it. I certainly do. Because I was determined. I was determined from an age of tiny, you know, tiny little girl standing at the piano trying to get the keys to work. I mean, determination has to be so much a part of it, too. The obsession, the this is the only thing that I know, uh, which is something I can relate to. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only thing I know. It's the only thing I can do. You know, I, I sucked as, at a, as I told you, at being a waitress or being a waiter. Um, I, I did work in a couple of restaurants when we didn't have much money. We were in uh, in Central City in Colorado. I fall apart under certain areas like math. <laughs> but I've gotten to be good at math because I have to be. I'm still not so good on you, but you know I've got a kid who shows me how to do it every now. Yeah, and then. he'll show you now. He'll take you to all the proper sites and show you how to get them on your screen. Right, right. Most of my math has to do with uh, album anniversaries, and that's that's fine with me these days. That's that's my job anyway. So, um, which I should bring up, you know, a few of those. Like, um, first off, uh, you recently performed Wildflowers. You've been performing Wildflowers in full, and. What in the place where you'd performed it 60 years prior to what was that like? I mean, that's got to be a mind trip at town hall. Yeah. Uh, well, it's come up because people love that album. It was number se- number seven. It's the seventh album that I made. I starting in 61 and uh, it was in the middle. There was in my life, which had pirate Jenny and in my life and all both of the uh, the first songs of Leonard Cohen's on it. And then came um, Wildflowers, which had the Joni Mitchell song on it, Both Sides Now, and uh, three of my own songs, my first songs, and three of Leonard's songs, one of which, Priests, I was the only one of three people other than 
Leonard to record that song, Priest. It's a very intriguing song. The whole album is filled with with things that are so remarkable, and I haven't sung them in many years. I haven't sung Chanson de Vieux Amants, the Jacques Brel, Since You've Asked, which was my first song, and Albatross. Sometimes I sing Albatross, but most of the others, Lasso di Donna, which is a um, medieval song. The orchestrations for this album were done by Josh Rifkin, who was my friend and my producer's friend. He did a lot of things for None Such Records, which was the other label that Jack Holzman started to satisfy his curiosities that didn't fall into his folk rock roll um, uh, label, Electra, which had me, but it also had the doors. And uh, so I think it's unique and people have brought it up, brought up the fact that I should do this album in, in full for a long time with the orchestrations. When I called Josh Rifkin to tell him he was beside himself. I mean, he still teaches at Berkeley in Boston. And uh, one of these days we'll get him to, to, to conduct, but the all the orchestrations were, were newly configured off of the originals. So they're as close to the originals as you can get. And we're singing them with orchestras. We've just done our sixth with the um, Harlem Chamber Orchestra at Town Hall, as you said. And we've done big orchestras in Florida. We've done now a total of six, but we've got hundreds that are asking for it, if you'll put pardon the expression. And they're getting it. <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Judy Collins. I mean, just to be able to revisit those, uh, you know, to, to be able to, to to live inside those songs again, you know, after oh, this. And, yeah. It's a game changer, I must say. I, I'm just, I was taken aback. I, I, I then said to my audience who has been, been making noises about this album for a number of years, you were right. You were right. It, it's about time. It's very different. It's very exciting. It's a center of creativity in an early time in the 60s. It it resonates with what was going on with the Beatles because of their uh, bringing in all of those orchestral parts and working with a, an orchestral uh, designer or musician or writer or creator. And Josh was our Beatles guy. <laughs> you know, I, along with that, too, um... Your album three uh, actually turns sixty this month. It hits the uh, the big round six zero on that. Oh, and, yeah, yes. Like, Masters of War was on that. Yes, Masters of War, which is an amazing reading. What was it like to sing a song like that in nineteen sixty three? It was welcome. I mean, everybody was fighting and marching and against the war, and you have to be. You know, I was in uh, Washington Monday night, a week ago tonight, and I was in the Capitol, in the Mansfield Room, uh, in the Senate part of the Capitol. And I was there with about 100 people, a lot of them senators, a lot of them I knew. And I was singing Amazing Grace for this dinner. And I was looking straight at Mitch McConnell when I stood up to sing Amazing Grace. But before I sang it, I said, the last time I was here, I was arrested 
for my my participation in an anti-war an anti-war group that met here and was it was called redress of congress it's in our constitution that we have the right to redress congress on an issue that we have problems with so i was able to say that to mitch he didn't think it was very funny <laughs> that i was taken away in handcuffs but i thought it was it's supposed, you know, this group is a non-denominational, it's not non-denominational, it's it's unbiased on either side. So uh, it is where we should be meeting, that is, everybody from every side of the aisle. And so that's the one, the thing about it, which is so wonderful, it's called the Academy of Achievement, and there are a lot of people in it who wouldn't speak under normal circumstances, certainly if they were on the floor of the Congress, but for an evening of music and talk and humor, They'll get together. Well, to have that opportunity too. I mean, that's yeah. yeah to do so, that. and I I have sung Masters of War straight on ever since I learned it in '62 and recorded it. It was the first or the second song of Dylan's that I recorded. He had just started writing, and I was on on the scene. So I was lucky. I lived in the village. I heard him. I knew him. I saw him. I'd known him in Colorado when he was uh, um, Robert Zimmerman. <laughs> Little Bobby. Before he changed Bobby. his name, Little Bobby. <laughs> um, and uh, along those lines, by the way, um, uh, True Stories and Other Dreams is also 50 uh, this year. We talk about the big round anniversaries. And Cooking with Honey is such a fun little song. I hadn't heard it in forever. I went back and listened to it before this interview, and it's it's yeah. just so good. You always cook with honey, the sweeten of the night. I haven't sung it for years, but maybe I'll pull it out. It's a great one. I really do. I think I played it two or three times and then played it for my wife because she had never heard it. So I heard it a few more times on that one. Name of the girl who wrote it. I'll think of it. I, I did look it up and I, I, I wasn't familiar with her work beforehand. No, so. no. It was somebody who was sort of, and I'll have to find out who it is and whether she's around still. How's the progress on the next album? I've, I've heard you say that you have worked on enough that you could follow Spellbound out pretty quickly if you wanted. Yes, I'm I'm piecing it together. I'm not sure if it'll be fully mine. Because, uh, I, you know, what I have found in these past couple of years is three or four songs that I must sing, and they're by other people. I must sing them, and I'm, I have always been compelled in that way. I mean, I, uh, it's not something that I can fight, if you know what I mean. That's the impulse that, that has created my career, after all. I knew what songs to pull, what songs to sing that were mine, that were going to be mine. I knew it when I heard them. I didn't have to analyze anything. I know it when I hear it. So I cannot ignore those impulses. So we'll see. <laughs> and if I've got anything that comes up to those levels, which was always, I think, the issue. I mean, I've done, in since, since Leonard Cohen, asked me why I wasn't writing songs in uh, 1966. And I wrote, since you've asked, my first song. Since then, I've recorded, written and recorded about 60 songs, which are scattered through, I mean, starting with Since You Ask and Albatross and Che Guevara and uh, um, uh, my father and um, the Blizzard, for instance, which still is one of my big show tunes because it's so huge somebody said to me the other day when we hear when when people hear i can hear it in the audience when they start to hear the story 
about the stranger and the snowstorm and the relationship between the stranger and this person who is me, who's telling the story, there's a kind of a hush that comes over that's really dead silence, but people are thinking. And somebody said, they're wondering if it's going to turn out badly. <laughs> I mean, everything, so many things in life do turn out badly, but it doesn't, of course. It comes to around in a circle that lifts it up into something that makes people kind of go crazy at the end of the song. They're so excited that it didn't turn out badly. <laughs> Mark of a great artist right there to keep us all hanging on. <laughs> Every single time. And you do. You seriously do. Uh, I love this record. Congratulations on the nominations thank and the awards. Congratulations on what's coming up with the She Rock Awards as well. Thank you. And Judy, thank you so much for it. taking the time. Yeah, to talk about it today. It's been a real honor. Thanks, Kyle. I had a great time. You have a great day. Say hello to your 15-year-old for me. Tell him oh. that I was once 15. <laughs> You'll hardly believe it. <laughs> My thanks to Judy Collins. Uh, the newest album is called Spellbounds, and uh, sounds like we got one waiting in the wings as well. Big thanks to Judy. Big thanks to you for checking out the episode in the series. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week. Again, it's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at iTunes and Apple Podcast, at Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. Of course, you can also find me on the old social media spots. That's uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. <laughs> it's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.